This Partner in Action podcast series is a collection of interviews and real-life stories from people who apply the partner mindset and behaviors. The result, they get more of what they want, more often, with less difficulty. Amy Carroll is a communication coach, trainer, author, and professional speaker. She travels the globe using her secret superhero powers to liberate people from communication disasters. The communication model Predator-Prey-Partner was developed by Pat Kirkland, a superhero in her own right, and who happens to be Amy's sister. You can find out more at Amy's website, carolcoaching.com and patkirklandleadership.com. So listen, laugh, and learn how you can overcome the communication disasters in your life and get more of what you want. Today I'm speaking with Kevin Carroll, and Kevin happens to be my brother, so I've known him for a really long time. And actually, Kevin, you were my very first interviewee about two-something years ago. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. So welcome. Thank welcome you. back. Thank you. Kevin has been a communication consultant for the past 22 years and recently got into the game business. In fact, he and a good friend invented a dice game about eight years ago called Tenzi. And within a few years, Kevin, I think it's accurate to say it's become a global blockbuster. Uh, you know what? I'm happy to say it has been. We uh, introduced it here in the States and since I've taken it to Australia and to Europe. And so it's been great. In fact, a lot of the skills that you talk about, we've used in the development of that business. Okay, very cool. So I know you're always collecting partner success stories. I'm curious to hear what a recent one is that you have. Well, actually, it's recent in that I told it recently. But it happened a number of years ago, okay. and it stuck with me because I was in Dallas, Texas. I'm from the East Coast, but I was in Dallas, Texas on business, and I was with our sister, Pat. We had just done a full day of training. Okay. And we decided to go out for a bite eat. So yeah. we go out to a restaurant in Dallas and I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, should I have a beer or not? And I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, I don't know the town too well. And I, the last thing I want to do is get pulled over for drinking. And I said, it's going to be one beer. And this uh -oh. is, yeah. <laughs> I can see where this is going. Right. I said, this is not a big deal. It's just one beer and that's all I'm going to do. So sure enough, I have a beer and we have dinner and that was it. And as I'm backing out, I'm pulling out of the restaurant, I'm thinking, you know what? This feels like I'm, this is a one-way street. And I probably shouldn't be heading to my left. It just doesn't feel right. Then I see somebody behind me in their car and they're heading down that direction that I thought was the one way. Good old intuition. Just when we... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I should have listened to my intuition right. because I see this guy driving down what turns out to be the wrong way. But I didn't realize that. So I said, oh, I guess it's okay. So I just followed this guy down sure. the block that way. And that's when I see the signs that say wrong way, one way. And now I'm like, oh, damn, this is the last thing I want to have happen. I've had... One beer, big deal. I'm now in Dallas. I'm in the wrong place. So I said, <laughs> I'm starting to feel the stress. And Pat is in the passenger seat. And I said, okay, I, I, got, I just got to get off this block as fast as possible. So I took my very first left-hand turn. I, the very first turn that was possible, I took. So I take the turn. We're starting to go. And I'm, I'm feeling underneath the car, a bump, 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 a bump. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I hope so. well, it wasn't a dead body. Well, no, it was a number of dead bodies. No, it wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't dead bodies. But what I have evidently turned onto is the light rail train system, the light rail system oh, in downtown no. Dallas, not knowing that you, well, I, I clearly knew you shouldn't do that. I <laughs> didn't know that that's when I took my left-hand turn, that's what I'm doing. And you cannot get off it easily because now you're on this rail system. We're hitting these <gasps> kind of railroad ties and it's going bum, 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 bum. And I'm, my stress is building and building. And then believe it or not, and it's at night, by the way, we start to pass a train platform. There are people standing... <laughs> 
three feet above us. I look out my window to the left, and I'm looking at people's shoes. Pat looks to the right. We're, we're looking at people's shoes, and I'm just, it's just, there was no humor at the time. You're laughing now. It's been a number of years. I was not laughing at that time, and I'm like, and then I, people started yelling at us from the track. What are you doing, you dumb fool? Get off the track. I'm like, oh, God, you couldn't create a worse scenario. And then I said to myself, I guess it comes out of me saying all the things that shouldn't happen. They end up happening. I said, okay, I just need to get off there, and I hope I don't see a cop. I, I just <laughs> got to get off this track. I can't see a cop. And again, I, I'm, I'm kind of locked onto this rail. I have to go a while away. Another moment or two, in the distance, I see on the rails three police officers making a violent arrest on somebody. In other words, they're, whatever happened, I don't know. They are beating this person up and this he's oh. resisting. And who comes down the tracks <laughs> in his car, Skippy from Connecticut, on the light rail system. And one officer sees me coming at them. So they, whether they think I'm an accomplice and he looks at me, thank God, without a gun. He looks at me and screams, pull over. Now I'm to myself, certainly having a few words. And oh. Pat sees that I'm freaking out, not happy about this. So I pull the car over immediately and the officer is making his way over while the other two guys are trying to wrestle the perpetrator down. And my dear sister Pat just turned to me and said, Kevin, sound competent and sound likable. Competent and likable. So Okay, she I, chances to you. Yeah, she chances to me, which is the essence of what we had been teaching in this leadership class all day is that people, in order to be a partner, you sound like you know what you're doing and be nice about it. So I lower the window, and even before the officer got to the car, and yeah. again, he was not happy, I kind of yelled over, Officer, I am so sorry. I am, and I repeated it, I am so sorry. And then he gets to the car and goes, What's going on here? And I said, Officer, I am not from Dallas. I am lost. And I, again, I am so sorry. I wanted him to hear loud and clear, I'm a knucklehead, and I was so sorry. So he's all right, you just stay there. So, of course, I'm not feeling too good at this moment. So he steps back from the car and he goes about 10 or 15 yards away. And he turned, I'm looking at the side view mirror at him, what he's going to do. And then he takes his flashlight and kind of waved it at me. Uh -huh. Now, I took that to mean, okay, go, <laughs> as opposed to you're under arrest. So with that, I said, I think he's telling me to go. So at that time, I pulled away and pulled out into the streets. And I think everything was fine at that oh. point. It was a very, very high-stress moment in my life. And who knows what would have happened had Bat not been there to coach me on those words. Maybe I would have fallen into prey, or I don't think I would have gotten uppity at the officer. I did want to be very confident in yelling that I was so sorry, yeah. and I think that helped a great deal. And I think one of the things that's really obvious for me is when police officers stop people, I think they expect us to either be the aggressive defensive predator or right. the prey of overly apologetic. Right, right. Whereas the way you tell it sounds like you were taking full responsibility and right. still doing it with the sense of clarity and confidence. That's what I tried to do in that yeah. Yeah, in that moment. So Oh well done. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just add that I don't know, maybe six months after that, a friend and I were uh, I had just taught a program in Chicago. He and I fly back to New York. We're leaving to White Plains. We're leaving the airport. It's in the evening. And as we take out, leave the uh, the toll booth, it's a bad intersection. Anyway, we're chatting. He's not paying attention. And a cop pulls him over. And I turned to him just like Pat had turned to me six uh -huh. months earlier. I said, Craig, sound competent and sound likable. And he did the same thing. He lowered the window and said, officer, I am so sorry. I didn't see this or that. And the officer said, okay, just you got to be careful. And off we went without any uh, incident. Well, thanks for uh, telling that, Kevin. I'd never heard that story. It's brilliant. Wow. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, me too. We bury our good ones sometimes. So, Kevin, before I let you go, I have one last question for you. What is one tip that you have for listeners for stepping into partner? And as you well know, teaching it, there are so many tips. The one that I've used, I think people relate to it because it quantifies things in a way, makes it easier for them to get their head around it. One of the things that I see some people do, people that talk way too much, you know, the old TMI, and they totally dominate a conversation and they're oblivious to it. So what I've told people like that is just be aware in the conversation, let's say it's a one-on-one conversation, what percentage of the time are you speaking? And it should be roughly 50-50, maybe it's 60-40, there's a give and take. Uh, for example, there's somebody I coached a number of years ago, and, and I got to tell you, if it was 90-10, me doing the 10% and him doing the 90, yeah. or even more so, and I just wanted him to understand, you know, when you go into these conversations, and if it's a three-way conversation, there should be a, a 33% more or less yeah. percentage that you're, you're speaking. And that, that by having a number attached to it, I think helps them know that, oh, okay, it's not all about me. And to be a partner, I need to let the other person breathe and talk and right. all that. So that's uh, helpful. And that's great because if they are feeling like they're participating verbally, they're also feeling a sense of, you know, I have this guy's respect. I matter. I count. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Because without that, you know, if you're the doing the five or the 10%, you're sitting there going, I don't matter to this person yeah. at all. I'm and invisible. Yeah. And I know I tune out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, Kev, thanks again. Absolutely. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, happy partnering. If you want to participate in one of Amy's superhero trainings, you can find out more on her website, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's.